International Orienteering Podcast Mapping Compass Navigation Skill Orienteering Competition like International Orienteering Podcast As always, it's really nice to welcome you to International Orienteering Podcast and um, this week it's not only into December month uh, we are also having a jubileum uh, Evo. Yeah, so it's the 20th episode today, uh, or it's actually number 21 if you count the bonus episode we did about Team Emmet, but 20 normal episodes. Yo, yes, and we are uh, keep on uh, going, so that's good. Yeah, only getting stronger. Uh, stronger and stronger each week. Uh, and uh, yes, we are in uh, December now, and uh, it's still something going on in the orienteering world. Yeah, so today we will be looking at the selection of the Team Emit athletes. We have some updates from Austria, the, the national team selection there, and some updates from IOF and some small other stuff on the way. Yeah, and we can uh, start with the first things first. Uh, team Emit, uh, they have um, yeah, they have selected their team, but the media strategy is to announce uh, one runner each day from uh, the 1st of December. And uh, as we are recording, we are on the fifth. So we have uh, four names uh, so far, or five names so far. Yeah, we have five names so yeah. far, yeah. Yeah, so Team Emmet, they have decided to publish uh, on Instagram. Uh, so I think at the moment they have a bit more than 300 followers. So those 300, they have been able to see who the, who the five first runners are. But for those who haven't been following them yet, uh, go in and follow. And then we will go through the first five names. Yeah, the first name out was uh, Siri Silvernoin and uh, she had a really good uh, autumn season this year, uh, winning the Finnish uh, short distance uh, champs in the autumn. That was uh, quite a surprise, but uh, yeah, a good uh, Finnish runner there in the women's side as the first uh, name out. Yeah, and I think she also got to run some the World Cup in Davos, so she has some international experience on elite level already. Uh, so I think that's... Uh, she was a quite obvious pick uh, from the younger Finnish girls outside of the national team. And uh, the second day of December, we went to Norway and they, out of the hat, and Tobias Allstar came. Yeah, uh, with uh, two medals from the sprint jaywalk this uh, summer. Uh, he was obviously a very good candidate. Uh, I think there could be several good 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 uh, young Norwegian men that could be uh, possible for that spot but uh, I think he's a really good pick yeah and he uh, unfortunately had a stress fracture uh, this autumn so he could not run the forest uh, jaywalk uh, in uh, November uh, but then the revenge will come in 2023 for him we, uh, probably or we can hope and then it was uh, Sweden uh, as the third country out, uh, and uh, uh, name number three was Tilde Bocklund. Yeah. yeah, I don't know too much about her, but she's from Uko Södertörn, small club in Stockholm. Uh, she was at the Swedish uh, Jaywalk team last year, and this year she's had some, some decent results in Swedish league, uh, often just outside the top 10. And we know that the Swedish ladies are really good, so if you're close to the top 10 in Swedish league Swedish championship I guess uh, I mean you are a good runner and this was her first year as uh, elite runner uh, so she should have quite big potential to grow and uh, number four uh, uh, announced was uh, Matsko Ukopanoros Denmark yeah uh, he's a bit older than the others so the first three they are born on the in the 2001 2002 uh, and Mats Kaug, he's born 1999. Uh, I'm, I don't know too much about him, but uh, his results is, uh, yeah, he was running uh, the student champs, world university champs this year in Switzerland, uh, position around 40 uh, individ individual races. Uh, and he was running European champs, didn't qualify for the middle distance final there. And yeah, and we know that the, the Danish they had selected a very very big group of uh, of national team runners. So of course, then you don't have many to pick from. 
Um, so yeah, uh, he's probably uh, going to be the worst orienteer of the four men, but it's the same time you can say that he has also the shortest way into the national team. Uh, so it's a really good opportunity for him. And uh, Tobias Arola from Finland was the last announced as we are recording. Um, Paimion Ross, the runner from uh, 2001, uh, he is born. Yeah, I I remember him from uh, yeah when my brother moved to Finland, Paimon Rasti, in the autumn of 2016, and he was running for Paimon Rasti in 2017. Then he was talking about this uh, Topias Arola, which was a men's 16 runner at the time. And he was like uh, uh, Olav, he was quite uh, pre, how should you say, very positive about the future for this guy. Big talent. I also uh, have heard uh, Olav talking good about him, but uh, uh, it's better with uh, good uh, done than uh, good said, as uh, the Varholm team uh, are uh, having us a quote. And, yeah, um, I think he's been running, he was running Jaywalk in Turkey last year, didn't uh, do too well there. Uh, this year, uh, he's, he qualified for the World Cup in Davos, uh, but he... Yeah, I think this, most of the Finnish team were a bit underperforming in Davos, and so was him. Uh, but uh, Team Emmet uh, has uh, big ambitions, and uh, we have uh, talked to the sports manager, Evan uh, Tona. We can listen what he has to say about uh, uh, these selections. We are so lucky that we have with us uh, sports manager of uh, Team Emmet, Evan Tona. And Ivan, as far as I know, you have uh, selected uh, the team uh, for uh, next season in uh, Team Emmet. Yes, we have now selected uh, our team for the for the coming season uh, with runners from uh, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Denmark. And uh, we have talked to everyone who is now selected, and uh, there's also sent information to those who are outside of our team. And uh, the uh, media strategy is uh, to announce uh, one athlete uh, each day uh, now the first days of December so we are uh, excited to see who is uh, coming uh, popping up in the social media nowadays uh, but um, it's uh, seven selected and uh, when we talked earlier you said it was uh, eight uh, places in the team uh, what is about the last uh, place? Uh, we have received uh, a lot of applicants uh, from different countries. Uh, the case for us, uh, for Danish runners, is that we don't have any applicants who are not in the national team. So, uh, due to this, we would like to see if there are... Um, other orienteers out there. We, we we are opening up now for a woman from a country with a, a not so big financial uh, backing from the team, kind of like a like a smaller nation who have uh, international ambitions and potential. We had a sports manager in Team Emmet, Evan Tonner there, and uh, uh, as we heard, uh, there is uh, one spot open. Uh, they have uh, predicted uh, to take, uh, pick uh, eight persons, but uh, they only have picked uh, seven. Yeah, and I mean, it was a good uh, explanation that, uh, yeah, they didn't get a Danish girl, uh, which maybe isn't that such a big surprise as the same with the Danish women as the Danish men. Uh, they have selected a lot of runners for the national team, so there's not many, if any at all, outside the national team that has really ambitions. And yeah, I like the idea if they can bring in someone that would have no good national team around her uh, so she can get the opportunity. Uh, I think there are plenty of countries that uh, could have good candidates. Yeah, do you see any candidates, uh, obviously, just uh, now? Uh... Well, I, I would start with, uh, I would try to first exclude the teams where I have an impression that there is like a quite solid national team structure. So like no Czech Republic, no France, uh, no Austria, no Great Britain. Uh, so maybe Spain, for example, they had a girl that was doing really well at uh, Jaywalk. Uh, Italy, perhaps, uh, or Eastern Europe. Uh, 
Uh, Polen has yeah. a few girls that is good. Latvia has a young girl that is good. Uh, and also Ukraine has uh, quite a few that should fit in the age segment. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's good to to let uh, let them get get a chance to yeah to uh, to show up for Team Emmet uh, if they want to. And uh, and uh, yeah, we have to have to wait and see. But uh, I I as I understood, uh, they Team Emmet will not uh, close the door for uh, for uh, yeah uh, other runners from Finland, Sweden, or Norway either if there are not any good. Uh, from those country you mentioned here yeah if there is no if none of those that are you know maybe having top 20 results at jaywalk if they don't apply or if they don't have ambitions and there is no no one that really fits the bill i guess it's much better to have a motivated swedish girl or finnish girl or norwegian girl instead of a unmotivated uh, or not good enough runner from a smaller country uh about motivation i uh I talked to a guy with high motivations and big ambitions to be a solstar. And we can hear what he has to say about the selection and his plans for next year and further on. In even National Orienteering Podcast, we have one of the selected Emmet team runners with us. To be a solstar, how are you? Hello. Uh, I'm... Pretty fine. I've just been sick uh, for a couple of weeks now, but uh, yeah, my injury is uh, getting better, and uh, hopefully, I can start running in the forest and doing some orienteering soon. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Tobias Alster, you uh, got the silver medal at um, Jaywalk individual sprint this summer, and uh, you were on the winning team in the sprint relay, and. Uh, yeah. And no, you are still selected for the team Emmet uh, when you are mm-hmm. first year as a senior. What does that mean for you? Uh, it's uh, great that I've gotten this opportunity uh, to be selected because uh, I didn't uh, get selected to the national team. That was a bis- bit uh, disappointing. Uh, but uh, when this uh, opportunity came, I just had to make a search and hope for being selected. And I did. Yeah, you were uh, not selected in the Norwegian national team. No. Uh, uh, well, you said that that's a bit disappointing. Uh, do you use that as a motivation? Uh, no, but I, I understand why they didn't uh, let... There was some other as well that uh, maybe was a bit disappointed. But uh, we have gotten some... Uh, opportunities to join their training camps later next year so we have been uh, able to have a good have a good setup but uh, now you also get an opportunity like you're following us for the season and looking for what we are doing yeah but now you're also getting a great opportunity in uh, team emmet what uh, what are you uh, looking forward to there I'm looking forward to uh, training camps and meet the whole team together and hope that we could uh, learn from each other because I think we all train feel different uh, train difference and I hope we can have some good discussions and learn from what makes each other good. Uh, I talked to uh, the sports manager Ivan Torna and team Emmet and the ambitious is to Make national team runners. When do you think yeah. you will be a national team runner for Norway? Of course, I hope to join the national team already next year after this season. But uh, first, I have to run good uh, races. Yeah, uh, but uh, as I mentioned, you got the medal in the sprint in Jaywalk. Yeah. Uh, uh, is it possible for you to maybe uh, there is a sprint uh, champs, European yeah. champs uh, in Italy? Yeah, that's uh, my main goal this season. Uh, I think it's a bit too early to uh, qualify for World Cup in Östfold, but I will try, of course. But after that, I will focus on sprint and hopefully be qualifying for the European champs. 
Yeah, because you were out uh, of the autumn part of the jaywalk uh, yeah. because of injury. So how, how are you now? You said you were injury-free. Uh, are yeah. you 100% uh, running? Uh, yeah, I've been running for three w- weeks now. I started on the Alter G. Alter G uh, and now I've been running uh, like normal just for some days. Uh, and yeah, my shape is not so good, but... Uh, I don't think it's gonna take that many weeks before uh, I'm a pretty good status again. Yeah, you've been running for a couple of weeks, and when will you? Uh, yeah, you may know uh, your all your uh, team friends and uh, team Emmet, but the media strategy uh, you're uh, letting go of one name each day now in early yeah. December. Uh, when uh, when do you meet for first training camp? Uh, the first training camp is supposed to be the last week in January in Östfold, and some of the trainings are also going in Oslo for sprint training. So, so then you will have a couple of eyes uh, at the whole week, or uh, I'm not sure. Maybe starting from like Wednesday to till Sunday. And I think uh, so. yeah, and uh, how is it when you run for Team Emmet, uh, who are uh... Uh, counting the time in uh, the races, are you always getting the best times so you will win every race now? Yeah, I hope so. With <laughs> the new equipments and uh, yeah, hope that's uh, that's right. No, but um, but you will have a camp in January and yeah. uh, how, when is the next? Uh, is it three or four camps? Uh, yeah, the second one is after uh, Easter before the uh, World Cup. Um, uh, Selection races in Norway. And the last one, I think, is uh, before Jukola. So, uh, no, you, you you think you have a good uh, setup uh, with the local club, uh, Fool, and uh, together with this uh, season plan in Team Emmet to... Yeah, with both uh, my home club's uh, training, now training camps and Team Emmet. I think it's uh, going to be a good uh, winter with a lot of uh, camps. No excuses. Uh, we we can expect uh, to be a star performing uh, uh, really good in 2023. I will have to see. Uh, first, I have to get uh, well from the illness. I've uh, struggled a few weeks now, but uh, hopefully I get in a good uh, cyclist with lots of good training. So we'll see. Yeah, it's uh, a couple of months until Easter, yeah. and uh, so yeah. But uh, nice uh, to talking to Tobias, and uh, we wish you good luck uh, with both Emit, uh, Team Emit, and uh, and uh, the other training camps. Thank so you. Watch out for your results. Thank yeah. you a lot. Thank you. Bye. Young and uh, talented uh, Tobias Allstar there uh, talking about uh, uh, next year in uh, Team Emit. Uh, uh, what do you think uh, about uh, the guy from uh, Levanger in uh, Trøndelag, Norway? Well, uh, he's obviously very, very talented. Uh, he has a very good starting point for the elite career. Uh, two medals from Jaywalk, uh, sprint medals. That's quite uncommon for Norwegian orienteers. Uh, so, of course, it's uh, he should also have... Um, the sprint European champs in mind next year, even if it's first year elite runner, it's still possible. Uh, eight spots there. Um, so I think that's a good target for him. And of course, he would like to uh, compete also for spots in the national team in the forest. But I think that's uh, it's a bit harder to get into the team there. And he might need to uh, need a few more years before he's good enough to take a spot in the forest team. Uh, yeah, he he was not so uh, optimistic, or uh, he he talked himself a bit down about the uh, first round in the World Cup uh, in uh, Norway in Östfold. Uh, as we uh, heard the uh, last episode, Kristat uh, Löfvall, uh, the same age uh, from Ukulanea uh, Nidal, he has uh, ambitions to run there, but uh, Tobias, he he would. Uh, yeah, look further on to yeah, sprint races and so on. Yeah, I mean, the difference between them is not too big, but uh, there are a few points that uh, really, really 
points in direction of Cornelius having a much bigger chance uh, than Tobias to qualify for the first World Cup round. Like, uh, first of all, uh, now Tobias has been injured the whole autumn, so he would start a bit behind. Uh, he is also living in Trondheim, while Cornelius is living in uh, Uppsala, so you have to yeah, guess that uh, Cornelius will have better options for orienteering training during the winter. Uh, and traditionally, uh, Cornelius, he is from Oslo, and uh, Tobias is from Levanger, north of Trondheim. And traditionally, the runners from Oslo, they are performing a little bit better uh, compared to the people from the middle of Norway in, uh, when it comes to orienteering in Östfold. Yeah, uh, from uh, the yeah from concrete names to other con- concrete names, uh, there are uh, two uh, remaining spots that will uh, yeah announce uh, the coming days as we are recording. Uh, then we are uh, looking for a Norwegian girl and a Swedish boy. Uh, do you have any thoughts uh, who that could be? Uh, I haven't thought a lot about it, but uh, yeah. So, so far we have seen all the runners, they are very young. Uh, so Mats Gaug is the oldest one. So he is born 1999. Uh, so even if they took uh, applications of, was it 96? Uh, it was, yeah, maybe it yeah, was. Uh, I think it was 96 but... to 2002. Uh, so my guess is that uh, they will be in yeah, born may- maybe in 99 or later. Uh, so I will take my predictions out of that. So if we start with the Norwegian girl, uh, my first pick is uh, it could be Janne Sjøholm Åsheim from NTNU. She had a good season, uh, first year elite this year. So she has had one year in the elite class. Uh, she could be a good option. Uh, the same could Jenny Barkley be. Both of them were running Jaywalk in Turkey last year. Uh, so yeah, one of those two maybe for the Norwegian girl. Uh, and then uh, as a Swedish boy, there is uh, a lot of young Swedish boys in the national team. So I was n- yeah, narrowing it down to Jonas Gustafsson from UK Kåre and Erik Herne from UK Ravinen. Both of them had a really, really good season. Uh, especially Jonas Gustafsson had a really strong autumn season. Um, but he is born 97 and Erik Herne is born 99. So maybe... Yeah, so if I have to guess, I would guess uh, Eric Herne. Yeah, it, uh, I, I think uh, about the girl uh, from uh, Norway, I think you, uh, she's living in, in Trondheim, uh, at least. Uh, that uh, would be a good guess. But uh, yeah, it's really hard to predict the Swedish boy. But uh, yeah, interesting names there from from you. Yeah, but you know, the team Emmet, they are announcing it every night. Uh, so we are recording this on uh, Monday evening. Uh, so... Yeah, when people are listening to this episode, you could pro- probably see on the Emmet Instagram already who it is. So maybe yeah. we got it right. Yeah, and uh, from uh, Team Emmet, who is uh, announcing uh, one each uh, day, each night, uh, we have uh, can uh, take a step to the Austrian national team selections. It's uh, a couple of weeks since uh, it was official, but uh, we have not... Uh, spoken about that uh, earlier on uh, apologize to uh, Austrian for that but we can uh, yeah uh, never too late and uh, what how do you see this uh, team uh, Ivo yeah I think Austria has also gone in the direction of uh, picking quite a lot of runners uh, I think they have been picking 11 girls and 15 or 16 boys um, so the national team is divided in three, three different groups uh, where you have like the world-class group, which is really small. Uh, so in the women's class, in the women's team, it's only Ursula Fesselhofer in the elite team, in the, in the world-class team. And in the men's, it's uh, Gernot Imsen and the young Janis Bonek. Uh, then they have a quite big B group that is called like the World Cup group uh, where they have, yeah, all the runners that you are familiar with from the running World Cup, running European champs and stuff like that. And then they have a third group that is like the under 25 group uh, with some guys and girls coming straight up from the junior class and some other young ones. Um, Should we go through it uh, name by name or what do you think? I think we can say that the the most interesting part is that uh, Ursula Fesselhofer, as I mentioned, she is uh, in the team, so she is continuing. And in the men's B 
the World Cup group, uh, there is also Robert Magel. So both of the yeah, two of the best Austrian runners the last years that we have talked about earlier this autumn, that they were kicked out of the military support group. Uh, they are still in the national team and they are going for one more season at least. Yeah, I uh, have uh, checked a bit with uh, Robert there and he said that uh, at least they will go on uh, at uh, he's speaking for himself. So can, he can continue one more year. It's an okay solution he's got there. Uh, yeah, I think he at least he said that at least until the World Championship. Uh, so for me, it sounded a little bit like maybe in the autumn he will have to work and maybe he will not run the European Sprint Champs. Uh, but for Ursula, I guess that the European Champs and Sprint uh, will be a really, really big target. She was really close to a final spot in the World Championship uh, knockout sprint this summer. Uh, so if she can keep the same level or improve, then she can maybe fight for a final spot. Uh, even if I guess that the, it's actually harder to qualify for the final at the European Champs knockout sprint than it is for a World Championship knockout sprint because the bigger nation, they have even more runners. And, uh, and, and also we can conclude that uh, also in Austria, orienteering is a family sport when we look at the national team selections. There are a couple of uh, siblings there, so uh... yeah, I think there is uh, there is two brothers, Gröll, and they also got the younger sister in the team now. So we have Matthias, Georg, and Anna, and there is also two. I think they are sisters, uh, Annika and Jasmina Gasner. Uh, if I'm not wrong, they had an older brother. I think he was running Jaywalk in like European U Champs back in the days when I was running it, uh, but he is not in the team anymore. Um, yeah. And there is also Janis Bonek and Erik Bonek. So, yeah, there's a lot of family connections here. Uh, and we have this uh, grand old man, we have to say about Gernot Imsen. He's the same age as uh, Daniel Hubman and still going strong. Yeah, so both of them are entering the men 40 next year. Yeah. And still going strong. I think... Uh, yeah, uh, of course, every year it's getting closer to be the last, but it wouldn't surprise me if this is the last for Gernot. Uh, he's still quite good, but uh, I think the last three, four years, uh, he has been dropping down a bit from the group that uh, before a World Championship race or a World Cup race, you would always consider him as a medal contender. And nowadays, I'm not quite considering a medal, medal contender anymore. Uh, but yeah, it's only four years ago he won a medal at the European Champs long distance in Switzerland. So I guess that's uh, part of uh, why he's still motivated and uh, he st- probably still thinks he can be competitive for the top spots. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that was a really impressive bronze medal behind uh, uh, two big names, uh, Olaf Lundones and uh, Matthias Kiburts. So yeah. Yeah, I would be pretty happy if those two were the only ones that beat me in a race. <laughs> yeah, I think he was quite uh, quite happy there. He he skipped the relay the day before to be fresh in the long distance. The last day of the European Champs in uh, two thousand, uh, yeah, four years ago. Uh, yeah. So. But I think uh, I I yeah I think he will not skip the relay next year because I think the relay is uh, his best option for a top six spot. Uh, I think the Austrians, they are often having a decent team for the relays and then it feels like they're slightly underperforming. Uh, but if you have a runner's group, yeah, you have Gernot Dimsen, you have Janis Bonek, you have Robert Meil, you have Matthias Peter. I think you should be able to, to get a really good relay team there. Uh, so it will be hard to fight for the medals because the best teams like Sweden, Norway, Finland and Switzerland is really, really good. Uh, but yeah, for a top six, that should be possible for the Austrians if they if they can get the relay right. Uh, the Norwegian uh, said after the Europeans relay uh, in August that uh, they have got the relay team back on uh, gold track again. So they were aiming for the gold medals now. So we'll That's see. how it should be. Um, now we can continue a bit uh, from uh, Austria to the IOF. Um, they had a council meeting in November 11, uh, where they uh, have some interesting news about uh, world ranking scoring and uh, 
about the nationality rules. Um, have you uh, have you looked at that one, uh, Ivo? Uh, yeah, I've looked uh, briefly. Uh, so basically, as the world ranking system has been now, uh, you of course you have these. Uh, calculation that is based on the strength of the field like how good are the runners that are entered uh, and then something with the distance you are behind the winner and stuff like that uh, but it's been capped so like if you're winning world championship you get 1500 points and the rest of the score is calculated by that if it's a world cup you get 1400 or 1450 and so on uh, and then next year they are removing this um, and instead there will be like a percentage bonus uh, that are separating the, the big races from the normal world ranking events. So basically you have for the world championship, you will have a 5% bonus for the world cup. You will have a two and a half percent bonus and for regional champs, like European champs, uh, Oceanian champs, American champs and stuff like that, you will have 1.25% bonus. And then there will be a, a cap of 1375 points. Uh, so I guess that they will recalculate the the points that has the runner sets collected already because otherwise it would be quite unfair uh, to to have races where you could, before you could score fifteen hundred points and now you can only score thirteen seventy five. So I guess it will be a yeah a kind of a recalculation of the of of the world ranking list. Yeah, and uh, and they also uh, yeah they will also use this uh, ranking system more free frequently now uh, to uh, yeah to uh, determining uh, the factor for qualification, starting orders, and etc. In the iOS yeah, so, events, yeah, so use the ranking more, uh, and yeah, I don't I don't really know. It's like uh, I haven't been setting myself into how it will look and how it will look different. Um, I think the yeah, no one really care about the world ranking as it is. Uh, but I think when you have the so many points guaranteed in like the world championship, European championship and the world cup races, uh, I think for the top runners, it gave a pretty good view of who is actually the best. And then of course, further down, it's not really comparable. Uh, because yeah, you, you only score race, scored the big points in the international events. Uh, so running normal world ranking events, it didn't matter if you, you could beat anyone there and still get less points than number 60 in a World Cup race. Um, so yeah, but for the top 30, maybe, I think it was really good before. Uh, so it will be interesting to see how it works out now. Uh, I, I think uh, either way, it's uh, difficult to have uh, such ranking to... To uh, get a good picture, uh, you know, in football, uh, Belgium is always uh, one or two in the rankings, but they are <laughs> always performing really bad. And uh... when it matters, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think um, the the main problem has been with the system has been that the young runners they need quite a lot of time before they are able to get a spot that is justified. Uh, so therefore, you always see in the spring. Uh, early races of the season that the, the the guys that are coming up from junior class they have to start very very early uh, yes and there, well it's been like people that has been not been running world cup races before they don't have good ranking uh, so yeah yeah but it will be interesting to see uh, it, i mean no one has really cared about it before so if if it works in a way that pe- make people care about it it's uh, it's a good good change but uh, after Hanna Lundberg in either middle distance, uh, there is no uh, arg- arguments about uh, starting early. She won with uh, start number one. So end of discussion. Uh, yeah, but in, you know, she would have won with more if she had started late. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, uh, it's a long time ago, but I think back in 2016 or something, I think uh, if I'm not uh, remembering wrong, I, I, I had a look once and I was... It was either me or Joachim Svensk, the oldest of the Svensk brothers. Uh, we were the number one and two out of the runners that had never run a World Cup race. Uh, but we were just in the top 100. Uh, so basically, the system has been a good ranking system for the people that are running international races. Uh, but not necessarily for those that are new into 
qualifying for the international results races? Uh, no, you started me going. Uh, the, who is the best? Who is the best runners who never run a, a world championship? Ah, uh, you know it has to be someone. Uh, there must have been some really, really good Norwegian or Swedish runner in the eighties, maybe. Yeah, you're uh, quite into it, I think. So maybe I would say not the best runner. Matsel Stadius, he I didn't I don't think he ever qualified for the world championship team of Sweden, but he was really good. Yeah, it's a really good uh, guess, but I will uh, I will say Joachim Ingelsson. He won uh, the overall World Cup, but he never ran a world championship. Yeah. Because he should be in uh, top shape in the champs. So then he never qualified. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. but uh, that that was uh, yeah it's quite tough um, in Sweden to get in the, in the world championship team. But uh, we can continue with there was also some interesting about um, nationality and change of uh, yeah nationality in this uh, IOF uh, meeting. Um, the council they had a new decision there. Uh, do you think that will, uh, yeah, uh, make any changes? Uh, I'm not really sh- quite sure about the changes. Like, uh, first of all, is that you can't change again more than once every four years. So, for example, uh, as an example with Vegard uh, Jarvis Vestergaard, that is uh, Norwegian and Canadian. Uh, so now that he's running for Canada, he can't change back to Norway before four years of time, if I've understood it correctly. Yeah, yeah then, that, that's that's the same way as I uh, understand. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think the, the main difference, but it looks a bit strange. Like it says that request for change of federation representation will be checked by the IOF office and will come into effect on the April fifteenth. Uh, I, in my the way I read it, that means that. Uh, for example, this year you had the situation with Natalia Vinogradova, uh, Natalia Gempele. It's sorry, uh, she was running world ranking events in February for Russia, and therefore she could not run for Switzerland later in the season. But from what I read, it's like if if you haven't, yeah, you can change it until the fifteenth of April. And I assume that they set this date because yeah, the international season with the World Cup generally starts after the April fifteenth. Um, but yeah, I'm not. Uh... Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's fifth uh, of April, and uh, yeah, in the autumn, fifth of November. Yeah, I guess uh, that the the November fifteenth that has to be for steering hearing, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, uh, I think the the rules have been quite okay, and I don't think this is a big change, uh, so it should be fine. Um. Uh... And uh, what also looks fine is uh, I uh, I caught up some statistics from uh, Czech Republic about orienteering uh, before and after the COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, it was uh, quite uh, nice to see uh, yeah, uh, that uh, actually there is no uh, uh, even more runners doing orienteering after the pandemic than before. Yeah, so the Czech Orienteering Federation, they obviously has a register of all the unique competitors that are participating in orienteering races in Czech Republic. Uh, and in 2019, this number was 11,800 11, something. And in two, 2022, it's been 12,400. So almost 800 more orienteers participating in races in 2022 than in 2019. Uh, and that's quite a surprise because we yeah, are looking at the numbers uh, in most sports in Norway. It's been a lot of talk that uh, during the pandemic, we have lost a lot of kids, young people doing sports. Uh, but obviously in Czech Republic, the total, the total number is really good. Yeah, and it's also good uh, that uh, if you uh, dig a bit deeper in the material or the statistics, you see that... Uh... Uh, also, it's um, more uh, runners uh, uh, in the age under 18. So it's uh, the youth runners is also increasing. 
uh, after the pandemic. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I thought uh, there was uh, yeah we could lose a lot uh, to the esports or so, something like that <laughs> during yeah, the but, pandemic. But especially, I think the, the the problem we have seen in Norway and it's been talked about a bit in Norwegian media is like during the first year of COVID, you couldn't organize mass trainings you couldn't organize competitions and if a kid is doing sport and he can't train and he can't participate in races then it's quite easily to find something else to do uh, so it's really impressive that the, even with the kids they've been able to grow during the, the years uh, with the pandemic and yeah i mean we don't have the numbers from other countries but if there is someone that has similar numbers from their country please uh, please contact us and give us this information it would be really cool to see similar stats from other countries to see how the yeah uh, if the number of volunteers if it's growing or falling yeah it's uh, yeah it's really interesting and uh, i think this was uh, a positive uh, yeah positive uh, numbers and positive statistics uh, yeah uh, i'm personally i'm really surprised that there is 12400 people doing orienteering competitions in Czech. Uh, if I was to guess, the, there is no way I would have guessed more than 10,000. Uh, so it's a bigger orienteering nation than I thought. And uh, yeah, and uh, they also have a Czech uh, podcast who is uh, uh, starting now. I am not so good in Czech, but I've uh, noticed that they have also... Uh, they are not a uh, competitor of us. We are... Um, <laughs> like colleagues, we could say, because we're yes. all both uh, talking about uh, orienteering. Yeah, so for those who speak Czech, you should go check it out. Um, and then we can uh, continue. There is uh, not uh, any big uh, orienteering races the upcoming week, but uh, in the European Championship in cross-country running, we have uh, orienteers on the starting line. Yeah, so the Swedish team, uh, they are sending three orienteers. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, so the Max Peter Beimer, he's running in the men elite class. Uh, Anastasia Denisova, formerly running for uh, Belarus. Uh, she is now Swedish. And she is running in the, in the women elite class. Uh, and then there is the, the young Samuel Pilström running in the under 23. Um, and I think the last two of them, they are, of course, they are orienteers, but they're not running much orienteering nowadays. Uh, I think uh, Anastasia, she's been running some relays lately, uh, but uh, she was, uh, she's not been running international orienteering since uh, the last four years or something like that. Uh, I think the peak was, uh, yeah, maybe it was back in 2016, 2017. Uh, she had really good results at the World Championship. Uh, I'm not quite sure how good it was, but it was in the top 10. Uh, and did she get a medal? I wonder if she got a medal in Strömstad in 2016. Yeah, she, she got a sprint medal there. Yeah, and she had a really good long distance as well. Um, so she was really, really good. And she was often in the top 10. She was yeah, also winning medals. Uh, so it's a bit of a shame for the orienteering uh, that she has been doing, yeah, focusing on running the last three four years. Uh, she she then was uh, also living in the west coast, uh, running for Savadol, Aiko. Yeah, I think now she lives in Stockholm and she runs yeah. for Yala. Uh, but yeah, she's mainly a athletics runner nowadays. And if the same for Samuel Pilström, we've talked about him a little bit earlier this autumn. Uh, he was uh, in the Swedish national team this season, or for interviewing national team, but he's not in the national team next year. So I think he is doing his transition to full-time athletics. But uh, I think uh, he, he is running a man 22 class. Uh, yeah, we can go through the other orienteers before we evaluate uh, their chances, maybe. Uh, because yes, we also... uh... Yeah, so in the men 22 class, there is also a Danish runner, Andreas Bokbjørnsen. And in the men junior class, there is uh, the Estonian guy, Jürgen Jonas. Uh, we talked about him a little bit in connection with the junior world championship. Uh, it will be interesting to see what he can do in, in junior class here. And, uh, and uh, yeah, in the women uh, 22. 
22 class. Megan Keith. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Megan Keith, she is, uh, yeah, she's also like, I'm not sure if we can call her an orienteer anymore, but you know, once an orienteer, always an orienteer. And she was in the, she was in the British team that won the J-Walk Relay in Denmark 2019. Uh, she has won the Junior European Cup Sprint. She has won the European Youth Champ Sprint. She was a really, really big, uh, big sprint talent. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, she was so, she's so fast that uh, she's also a really, really big athletics talent. And athletics is really, really big in, in, in Britain. So I can understand why she wants to go that route, uh, especially because she's really competitive. Last year, she won the junior class at the European Champs in cross-country running. Um, and this year, she's had quite good times of track. Uh, 4.17 at 1,500 meter and 15.53 at 5,000 meter. I mean, that means she's uh, 13 seconds behind the Olympic standards for 1,500 and 40 seconds behind the 5,000 meter. So I think that's not impossible in two years' time. Uh, maybe more likely to do it over six time for the over six years. So maybe Olympics 2024 is a bit too early. So maybe Olympics 2028 we can watch her on TV and say that she's uh, really an orienteer. Uh, about uh, yeah, uh, GB. Uh, she's running for GB, but there is a world champs in football. They uh, are playing both England and Wales was also playing. Do you know why? Uh, I mean, those uh, national nationality rules of Great Britain and what's United Kingdom and when it's uh, England, Scotland, it's quite a mess. Yeah, but in football, it's always been uh, the countries and then in many sports, they're competing together uh, instead. But maybe you have a really good explanation here. Uh, no, I don't have a really good. You <laughs> said it was a mess, but I've uh, counted out that uh, <clears throat> in the, this... Um traditional uh, uh, British sports like football, rugby and cricket. They are playing in the, yeah, in the Wales and England shirts. And uh, okay. in, in other sports, there are GBR. But, uh, yeah, but you know, it's, uh, you know, when they have the, these Commonwealth Games, uh, then I think they are competing under England, Scotland, Wales also. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, yeah, it's a bit uh, hit and miss. But at least in the Olympic sports, they go under... Uh, Great Britain. Uh, but uh, now she's running uh, this uh, weekend as a GBR runner and in the women 22. Do you think uh, she will have a good uh, good chance? I mean, she won the under 20 last year. So she, now she has to face older competitors. Uh, so I, I, it would be a bit surprised if she can win. Uh, but she should definitely be high up. Maybe a top 10. Uh, maybe higher if it goes well. Uh, so I think she is the one of those we have mentioned that has the best possibilities for a top result. Uh, Samuel Pilsom, uh, I would predict he could uh, run quite well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but it's the same with him. Like maybe, yeah, maybe he can be a top five guy. Maybe he can be a top fifteen guy. It's hard to say about the level. Uh, and I guess uh, for these orienteers, it would be good if it's uh, rainy and muddy. Uh, last year, when Megan won the junior class, it was uh, quite wet and quite muddy. So it was a benefit for those who are on not only doing track running. Um, but yeah, and then it will be interesting to see Max Peter in the, in the, in the really, really tough men, men's class. Uh, Chris Jones has been running these European champs quite a lot of times the last few years. Uh, and he's often been around top 20. Uh, so maybe I, I would guess that Max Pet is a little bit slower than Chris. So maybe a top 25, top 30, something around that. Yeah, Chris, uh, Chris has impressed a couple of times in those uh, cross uh, races, uh, I, I think. And, uh... Yeah, and I think he's also been winning. I think he's been winning the team competition or at least winning medals in the team competition. Uh, I I don't think uh, Sweden should be fighting for the gold or the medals in in these races. Uh, so probably the only one with a medal chance is Megan Keith. If if she's not winning it uh, herself, uh, the Great Britain team should be really strong in the team competition. Uh, in the men's class, there is a Norwegian going for uh, six times in a row. Yeah. Uh, it would be really a really big, big sensation if Max Peter can beat Jakob Ingebrigtsen. 
So, uh, <laughs> it will, uh, I think uh, he said that it's an, uh, it's an uh, fairy tale to just be there or running in the same field as uh, Jakob Ingwiksen. Yeah, but you know, you should always take your space, have a bit uh, uh, wide elbows, and then maybe you can get some benefit from it. I think Max Petri has been running the Tiumila or Yupola first leg before, so he should have some training in this very intense start, the first part of the race. Yeah, but uh, no, it's uh, we have passed the last uh, day in December. And no, the last day, last November. day in November. And we are yes. into December. Sorry, sorry. But uh, then we have to um, announce our interior of the month November. Yeah, so I mean, we, we started with this in August when we gave it to Van Lahario. Then in September it was Emil Svensk and in October we gave it to da- Daniel Hubman. And then, uh, it, uh, it, then it's time for a girl again because it was girl, boy, uh, boy. And then we have to have a girl. Yeah, and also, you know, we've had three guys, three persons that have been very experienced, uh, you know, quite old. Uh, so now we had to give it to someone that is young. And there was, yeah, there was one obvious candidate uh, in Hanna Lundberg, three gold medals at the Jaywalk in Portugal that was held in the beginning of this month. Uh, I mean, she could have had really, really strong contention from uh, Noel Brown, uh, but then he dropped his SI and only won two gold medals. So we have to give it to Hanna. Yeah, it was uh, not so many um, competitions uh, in November, uh, so it uh, had to be, uh, yeah, the best uh, runners at uh, Jaywalk. And uh, Hanna Lundberg, she's uh, not only performing good in the junior class, uh, already winning races uh, in the top, uh, uh, in the senior class. And uh, what do you think about her uh, yeah, next season? She, yeah, uh, I think, uh, I think the, this year she didn't quite get the chance to show herself uh, what she's really good for uh, in competition with the elite runners because of the injury problems in the summer. Um, so, yeah, but if she can stay healthy next year, uh, I expect her to challenge for medals at World Championship. Uh, no, no, no doubt about that. Uh, she is so good. She has been proving that many times already, even if she's still junior by now. Uh, so, if things goes well, if she doesn't get injured, if she stay healthy, can train properly, uh, can prepare for the World Championship, can prepare for the European Championship well, uh, I think uh, I think she will have a really good season next year. Uh, it will be interesting to see how much uh, ski races she will do this winter uh, and to see maybe if that can hinder her form a little bit in the early season. Maybe if she's competing a lot in cross-country skiing this winter. Maybe the World Cup in Östfold comes a bit early. Uh, but for World Championship, that should be no problem. And about uh, going up to the senior class, for her, uh, it may be, uh, I should not say easier, but uh, then it's no uh, no question. You're running the senior class and you don't have to double with some junior races and senior races and traveling uh, back and forth uh, from uh, here to there. And yeah. It actually could be, uh, yeah, not so much. Yeah, uh, but yeah. In, you know, it's also until now, it's always been like, it's not been, people haven't really been expecting too much of her. And I guess she can have maybe have felt a bit like that also herself. Like, yeah, you know, I'm a junior. I'm just here. Uh, it's a bonus. Uh, but now next year, you know, she's already established. She has won World Cup races. Uh, she has been running international championships. Um, and now she's also in the proper age class so now maybe now she can't really hide behind that she's a junior anymore so maybe you know that can be some extra pressure both from her uh, from the people around her but especially from herself that now that now she can feel that now it's uh yeah now i really have to perform a top top level uh, so we will see how that can play out and uh for us uh, now um uh... We are heading into a time of year with uh, less orienteering and at least not uh, less races also. Uh, of course, it will be difficult to pick uh, orienteer of the month in uh, December, but uh, it could also be uh, useful for us for some uh, tips and uh, uh, yeah, uh, feedback into the podcast. 
and uh, we are uh, will uh, appreciate that you can contact contact us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, yeah, yeah, and please follow our accounts. We have uh, quite a quite a lot of people following us on Instagram, uh, but we, there is plenty of room for more. Uh, so yeah. Uh, go into the social media, search for Eva National or Interim Podcast, follow us, and then slide into DMs with some uh, some good ideas of things we can talk about in the coming episodes. Uh, actually, uh, last week uh, we got uh, feedback uh, from uh, uh, a really good uh, athlete, actually. Yeah, I, I don't know, actually, if he would uh, tell us that he had been training uh, four or five hours uh, or... That the yeah, I, I think that was his main motivation of contacting us. That the, yeah, he had been running for four and a half hours, three thousand meters of climbing up and down a ski hill in Czech Republic. So I think that was the main reason why he wanted to contact us. So uh, we can uh, we can post that uh, run uh, on our uh, uh, Facebook and uh, maybe other media. But uh, it was Milos Nikodim. He he said he had been listened to. Was it uh, four or five episodes or something like that? Yeah, something like that. So he had been running up and down this uh, ski track listening to us uh, for hours. So, yeah, I, I would say that uh, normally I would say that, uh, you know, there's a big risk for him turning mad. But I think he's already pretty bit uh, mad already. So uh, no problem for him to deal with us. Uh, I, I will uh, I will predict he will have a really good season next year if he's still uh, will listen to us and uh, train like that. But uh, from a um, joke to uh, some a serious question, uh, what do you think his best results is uh, so far in his career? Well, he won a World Cup race, didn't he? Yeah. He won that's... the home World Cup race in Czech Republic. Was it 2018? Yeah, in the autumn there, in uh, Tuno. Yeah. Really uh, extreme uh, sandstone uh, terrain. And Milos uh, took the win. Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, I mean, the terrain is not really similar to what we can expect for the middle distance at World Championship next year, but it's kind of the same. Uh, there are parts that are similar in a way that you need to orienteer, uh, kind of the same, like quite intense, uh, a lot of details you have to turn around, uh, so almost like a labyrinth. Uh, so, of course, it will not be as extreme as then, but I think that the race should suit him quite well. Yeah, but uh, the Czechs also have a World Cup round in uh, home soil uh, in autumn next year, in Cheskalipa. So uh, it could be really good opportunities for uh, Milos and uh, the other Czech runners uh, to yeah, to get good results if they uh, continue such training as he did uh, that day. Uh, do we have, uh, in uh, the end, do we have any hot and not uh, this week? Uh, we have a hot, don't we? Of course. So, uh, I, I uh, if I can take that, I can. Uh, would like to give a hot uh, shout out to uh, Route to Christmas at the World of Woo uh, site in at the internet. Each day, you uh, from first uh, of December to Christmas, you get a route choice challenge, and uh, that will lighten up your day. It could be a bit dark in those uh, December days, so you need uh, to lighten it up with some orienteering. Yeah, and I think it's the 16th year uh, Jan Kochbach is doing this stuff. Uh, and it's so cool every year because there is, of course, there's quite a lot of legs that uh, I've seen before during the year. Uh, but there's always something new that really like blow your mind. Uh, and it's really, yeah, I like it to you get to see how orienteering are in many different countries, uh, big competitions, small competitions. Uh, and it's also nice training just to look at the route and see where would I be running. And then you have the analysis afterwards. So it's a really cool concept. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and he will also uh, yeah, come with, uh, I think he will come with the course of the year uh, competition later on. But uh, we will uh, announce that uh, then. And we, yep. and should we only go out with a high note there uh, without without any nuts? Yeah, I mean we are positive guys nowadays, so yeah, we only do the hot. Yes, but um, we will uh, again mention uh, give us tips and uh, 
shout outs so maybe we can talk to you in an episode during the winter and uh, thank you for listening see you next week bye bye Miss Navigator Noros, I'm a mediocre Norwegian middle and long distance runner, 3KPB741. If you want to keep up on the toes, listen to the new Orienteering podcast. Your national Orienteering podcast, mapping compass, navigation skill, Orienteering competition. I'm a mess, no, I'm a boss, I'm a boss. Running like a motherfucker. Your national Orienteering podcast.